Well, we're going to go to the Word of God today, and we're going to look on, again on the topic of faith, the topic of faith. Now, we've all kind of agreed that we're just going to grow in faith. We're not going to have shame and guilt and remorse over all the times we've tried to exercise our faith and didn't seem like we got the results we wanted to get. That's just kind of true about life. I really want you to know that. Whatever you grow in, you usually don't start off really good at it. You know, if you're learning an instrument, speaking a language, learning your math tables. I remember our daughter, Caressa, she was a little kid, and uh, we don't think about this, but she, she looked at books, and she wanted to read so bad, and she said, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this, because when you're a little kid, you, you just look at all these words on this page that mean nothing to you. Of course, now she's a wonderful, avid reader and, and, uh, and writer and all kinds of things, but you, you don't start off good. You grow, and you develop a sport, a learning your math table, it doesn't matter, sewing, whatever, you have a learning curve and you keep growing and growing and growing and growing and moving forward. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Derek and I were talking a couple weeks ago. Derek, I think he's an engineer. Are you an in- or did I promote you or anything? An engineer. And just an overall dapper, good-looking guy up here on the front row. And uh, so we were, we were talking, and I was talking about failing forward. And he said, in, in his industry, they talk about agile thinking. I think I'm getting this correct. And he said, the the goal is you, you fail fast, learn quick. Did I get that right? Fail fast, learn quick. Fail fast, learn quick. You may say, I don't want to fail fast. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well, what do I mean by that? I mean, you don't want to take 18 months to figure out what doesn't work if you can figure it out in 18 minutes. So you fail fast, and then you learn. And then you fail, and you learn. And you fail, and you learn, and you keep developing, but you're moving forward. You're failing forward in the process. And that's true of anything you've learned to do you have failed forward in the process, and you develop a skill set on it. So we, we want to do that. Now, it's very important. I want you to get this. This is extremely important. Faith, we, we're talking about faith because there's the three big three that, that 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. So we ought to always be growing and learning and developing in those three areas. I'm sure we've all not done the best at faith at times, not done the best at hope at times, not done the best at love at times. So that's why we need to keep growing. But faith, here's, here's a critical point. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. You say, what do you mean by that? First of all, everything we have, we're not buying anything. Everything we've had, Jesus paid for. It's, it's already ours. And so faith extracts that stuff out of the kingdom. Now, we try other things, like, well, I'll try crying, I'll try begging, I'll try griping, I'll try bellyaching, I'll try, I know, if I do ten really good deeds, then I'll earn this thing. No, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. We exercise faith, and then we receive. In our country, in the United States of America, the currency is the U.S. dollar. And so if you go out to lunch today, and you decide you're going to pay with marbles, it won't work. Even legitimate currency in other parts of the world won't work. You go to pay with euros or yen or whatever, it won't work. The currency of our nation is the U.S. dollar, and so you'll have to exchange that to get whatever it is you need. The currency of the kingdom is faith. We exercise faith, we practice faith, and it, re- it extracts things out of the kingdom that are promises from God to us. So... I really should have started off with this, but I didn't. I really should have started off the whole series with this topic, what is faith? Since you're talking on faith, it might be a good idea to talk about what is faith. 
So we want to look at that for just a second. It's not my, my key topic for the day, but what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, King James, New King James. Now faith is the, the substance of things hoped for. So faith is a substance, not a misty cloud up there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. Now, if you're like me, you can read that and say, yeah, huh? What? I'm not, well, I'm not really sure I get it. So I can go to another translation. We'll probably still say, huh? Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, in a real general term that we can kind of all understand, I believe and have faith that there's a heaven. I believe and have faith that through Jesus and because of him and him alone, I'm going to heaven. I've not seen heaven. I've not been given a tour. I didn't go like a timeshare tour of heaven or anything like that. So I believe. There's something I haven't seen. There's something I hope for that I believe and my believer that it exists and that's where I'm headed. Okay? Hopefully not today, but, you know, one day when I lay aside this earth suit. And it is so funny because we say things like that. But if I stepped into heaven right now, I don't think I would say, this is really disappointing. I really wish I would have spent, you know, more time on planet Earth. So it's going to be a glorious thing beyond our human comprehension. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, but again, I want to use a, a, natural, a natural little illustration to help us get that a little deeper. Um, if you've ever bought anything, and you've purchased it, say, through the Internet... Or maybe say, I've never bought anything on that internet thing. Okay, well, maybe you've done old school. Maybe you've purchased something mail order or through the catalog. This time was one of my favorite years as a kid because we would get like the JCPenney and the Sears wish book at Christmas. And you would see all the things you wanted. I remember one time as a kid, I thought it'd probably be faster for just me just to put an X on the three things I don't want in the catalog because I wanted everything in, in the catalog. So you've ordered something. Now, when you order something mail or catalog or online, it's different than when you go into a store, you pick out an item, you walk up to the counter, you make the exchange, you walk out the door with it, because there's an element of, of faith involved. It's also funny because people say, you know, that's one of the problems of Christianity, it's all about faith and belief, and it's all so mysterious and strange and weird, but it's not. We operate in faith all the time here on planet Earth as human beings, agnostics, atheists, they walk in faith because of just, it takes it just to do life. So when you, if, if you've ever, has anybody ever heard of this mail order company, or not mail order, but internet company called Amazon? It's starting to have, get traction, you know, so I thought maybe you might have heard of it, Amazon. And when you go to buy something off of Amazon, probably about every household here has ordered something off of Amazon, but if you go to buy something at Amazon, you just have faith. They say, I want your name. I want your address, I want your phone number, I want your, your email address, I want your credit card information. I don't even know who you are, but yes, ma'am, I'll just sort of type all this in here. I want your credit card information, I want your number, I want your expiration date, I want your secret three code, number code on the back, I want access to your firstborn should you not follow through, I want all this, so we just... Type it right in. You ever do, I mean, I have before, especially if I'm ordering off a company I've never ordered before, and think, I don't even know who this company is. Oh, well, you know, just enter it right on in. You know, it's just faith. You just go for it. Well, when you order something like that, there's just, there's a whole element of faith just to get the account. 
you know, you've got faith, you're just believing in it. Well, back, um, by the way, I'm not a real avid golfer, and on a really busy year, I'll golf about six times. And it's a beautiful sight to see, but I only golf about six times a year. Real avid golfers may golf four or five, six times a week. I do that in a year. But I noticed in the last year, my putting wasn't quite on like it normally is. I mean, it's normally not great, but it's solid and I'm happy with it. I'm not Julie Asher here who wins awards for her putting, sinking a 60, 70-foot putt. But I was usually pretty comfortable in a certain radius around the hole. But I noticed I wasn't doing so well in this past year. I thought, I need to deal with this. And uh, I thought, well, first of all, you've got to analyze what's the problem. So first of all, I thought, could I be the problem? And I thought, well, that's crazy talk. Absolutely not. I know I'm not the problem. So what could be the problem? That putter of mine. Something's wrong with that putter. It's getting kind of old. It's probably done all the putting it can do. And so I need a new putter. So I started researching it. And I found one I thought I would like. And then I discovered this. A lot of uh, PGA golf pros use this company's putter. And I thought, so if you all see me moonlighting on a weekend on TV, you know, getting a little PGA golf thing going on, that's probably me, but I, uh, this putter. So I looked it up, all different places. Guess what? Amazon carries the putter. Now, I have not bought the putter, but if you go to my wish list on Amazon, you can access and take a look at it. Um, just kidding about that. I have to be careful kidding with some of you, because some of you will do things like that. You do not do not do that. Okay. And it's not on a wish list anyway. But I have this putter in mind, and I haven't bought it, but let's just pretend for illustration's sake I did. You know, before I came out here today, I said, man, I'm going to take five minutes to click on buy that thing, and I buy that putter. Well, if you've ever bought anything online, you generally get pretty quickly a confirmation email. Hey, thank you for your order. Here's your confirmation number that, you know, whatever you bought is going to be with you in a day, two days, three days. I mean, shipping's amazing how they do it now. It used to be a couple, three weeks till you got stuff. But, and so... What they do is they send you an email. Then, if you like, if you like things on paper, you can print out the email, and you can have you a little paper copy of the, of the email confirmation. So if I would come out here today and would have done that and said, hey, I just want you all to know you can rejoice with me. I've got a new putter. And somebody would say, well, let's see it. And I'd go, well, I mean, I don't, like, have it here with me. Oh, so you have it at home? No, I don't have it at home either. Well, where is this putter? I'm not really sure, but somewhere out there is this putter on its way to me. And if you went, I'm not sure you do. If I brought out my printed copy of the confirmation email and showed it to you and you looked through it, probably most of you, probably 99.9% .9 of people say, wow, congratulations on your new putter. That would be enough evidence, enough assurance, enough substance that what I've hoped for, what I haven't seen yet, is on its way. This would, be my, this would be my proof, my evidence, my assurance, my confidence that I have what I've asked for. Now, of course, in the world, it's what I've asked for and paid for, but Jesus has paid for it all. It's not that unusual that you and I walk in faith all the time. We believe that something that we haven't seen that we're hoping for will be there. You ever show up to a hotel reservation? You just believe they're going to have you a room. Most of the time they do. <laughs> there have been rare occasions. We've had a problem where we haven't. We traveled all the way to Phoenix one time with our family and uh, had confirmed the thing. And 
And they punched it in and said, we don't see anything for you. I thought, that's great. I guess we're going to be sleeping in the car for the week till the plane takes us back home. And uh, so they kept looking and looking. And they said, oh, yeah, we have you on this day next year. I said, I guess we'll live here till next year because we're not losing that vacation, I'll tell you that. So we end up, we end up going, oh, my goodness. I said, that when, I, when I booked this, I told the person on the phone, this is just a few days' notice. I know this is short notice. I doubt you have anything. But, and they said, oh, my goodness, we miraculously do. Well, yeah, on the following year. Well, they were gracious to give, find us a, a room on the, play, on the grounds, but that can happen. But we flew all the way to, to Phoenix, Arizona, believing that they would have that room because guess what? In life, we operate in faith all the time. All the time. So it's not weird. It's not strange. So our faith is like that confirmation email. It is that, it's the substance of what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we've not yet seen. So it's, and you hang on to that until it comes. Now once you get the putter or whatever you've ordered, guess what? You don't need to worry about that confirmation email unless you just like to file stuff because you now have in person. And the Bible says that you don't hope for that which you have. You don't use your faith for what you have. If you already have it, there's no need for faith. There's no need for hope. But until you get it, you need hope and you need faith. So today we're going to talk about how to use our faith. Now, it's probably one of the greatest examples anyway. It's probably Jesus cursing the fig tree. Probably a great, great illustration of how to use faith. Now, contained in that event, if you read all of that chapter, there's all kinds of crazy, wonderful stuff. And the event also has a bigger picture to it. It talks about prophetic insight, about the kingdom, about Jews and Gentiles and salvation and, and a form of godliness and a form of righteousness and bearing fruit and not bearing fruit. There's a whole lot of lessons and they're all good. They're all worthy of study. But we're going to really focus in on just the actual event and what Jesus tells us and why he said this event was possible. Now, if you've ever studied this out any, because Jesus is going to curse this fig tree and if you're like me, you think, why did he curse that fig tree? I mean, I thought Jesus was the guy that if there was a bent reed, he wouldn't even break it. And he curses this fig tree. What's going on here? Well, again, there's so many prophetic and kingdom illustrations in that event that it serves well, plus the event itself teaches us a lot. But the story is about fig trees from what I've studied. I've never been a fig farmer, so I'm just believing that all the experts are right. That, first of all, figs can have multiple harvests a year. They can, they can have fruit in various times of the year. Also... They have this rule, according to what I've studied many times, that the telltale sign that a fig tree has fruit on it is when it has leaves on it. That if it has leaves, it's supposed to have fruit. Mark's very specific in what we're going to look at. He says, it was not this season for figs, it was time for figs. But he also declares, this tree was in leaf. So let's pick up on the story. And Mark 11, verse 12 the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was what? Hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, Mark's a good, good chronicle, guy who chronicled this event well, in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Now sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but Jesus might have known, hey, it's unusual. I'm sure he figured this out. It's unusual that the fig tree would have figs right now, but from a distance I can see that it has leaves, so let's go check it out. 
And he might have known that maybe the fruit wasn't in, you know, its largest capacity. But my aunt and uncle had a little apple orchard. I mean, if we were hungry, we jumped over there and, and grabbed the apple off the tree way early. It might have been barely bigger than a golf ball. You ever done that and you just pull it off and eat it? I'll tell you what, just something for you to try if you've never tried it, because I have. Uh, if you've never tried this, just next time you see a persimmon tree, pluck a persimmon off that tree and take a big bite out of that, okay? Just want you, because you'll, well, first of all, you'll curse me probably when you do that, and then, but it'll be an event you will never forget. If you ever, you need to get persimmons off the ground, not off the tree. I did it. I was a kid. I said, ooh, I love persimmons. Plucked one off, took a bite. My whole body caved in on itself. It's, not, it's, it's like, I can't even explain it. it it's got, you've got to experience it. It's not like just your mouth. You just feel like you're going to shrivel up completely in there. So anyway, that's just, these are important things I like to pass along. So, you know, as we get trained to be a follower of Jesus. So here it says that he's, when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he, what's the next word? Then he said. Then he said to whom? To the tree. So if you want to think Christianity's crazy, don't think it's because there's faith. Think because our leader talks to trees, okay? Because he looks at a tree and he says to it. And he says this. May no one eat fruit from you again, ever eat fruit from you again. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Hmm. Now we could think, well, you know how sometimes people say things in their heart, they say things in their head. Maybe that's what Jesus did. But the rest of the sentence tells us and shows us that it's not true, the rest of the verse, because it goes on to say, and his disciples heard him say it. It wasn't like Mark Talked to him later, and he said, well, I was kind of thinking in my head, hey, no one's going to eat from this tree again. I was, I was saying that in my head or in my heart. No, he said it out loud. He looked at this fig tree. I mean, he walks up. He checks it out. There's no figs on it. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Bang. I don't know. I do not believe trees have ears. I do not believe it. I don't believe it. It hears with ears. But you know what I do believe? Because I followed Jesus around to the Bible. Speech releases something in, from the kingdom into the air, into the world around us. Speech. Now again, if you are uh, saying, well, that's crazy about Christianity. That's true about anything. True. Just naturally speaking, speech releases something. Releases something. I've told this story before. We were sitting in a restaurant one time. I looked over at Darlene. She's a beautiful lady, obviously. And I looked at her and thought, wow, she looks so beautiful tonight. And I thought, you know what? I, I think I'll tell her that. Now, let me ask the question. Was me thinking it blessing her? When I say it, said it, do you think it blessed her? Yes. So speech does something. It, it, it activates something. And in the kingdom, it's super magnified. Because God's behind it. And so his disciples heard him say it. Now, there's ten verses that go on a really cool stuff. It's not my topic today. And so I'm going to move on. We're going to bounce back or forward to where they're walking by the tree the next day. So in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from where? Yeah, went down to his life source. Death hit there. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, there's exclamation points by these. He says, 
Rabbi, look! The fig tree you cursed has withered. Jesus doesn't seem too blown away by it at all. It doesn't say that Jesus said, it did? Oh, my goodness, I didn't know that would actually happen. He says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Have faith in God. First of all, we know that when we speak, we can't do anything, but God can. So we need to have faith in God. But if you'll study this out in other Bible commentaries or go to like, a, like the Young's literal translation of the Bible, the, we, we add words to our translations, which, by the way, for those who immediately thought, the Bible says we should never add or take away. They're, they're not words changing the meaning. They're words that allow the, it to be read easily. If you ever read a raw translation from Greek to English is super cumbersome because you're just getting the highlights. But the Young's literal translation says that Jesus answered this, have faith of God. Have faith of God. Or have the God kind of faith. What's the God kind of faith? God believes, he speaks, and it happens. That's the God kind of faith. And speech is very, very important, apparently, because God's always hovering around this idea of talking. He speaks. And then Jesus says, let's just amp it up a little. You think you're pressed with the fig tree. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, so he points at the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Now, I'm constantly working on this one. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I'm not asking us to get superstitious. I'm not asking us that if we say something wrong, because I see that in the church sometimes. Somebody makes wonderful confessions. They're speaking the word of God. They get depressed, say something negative, and they go, well, you lost it all. I don't believe that. I believe you. I say, okay, I'm going to get back on track, really trusting God for this. But to believe that I have received it. As I've dealt with things in my life, it's very common for us to say, you know what, I've, I've prayed about this, and, and one day I think God's going to give it to me. Really, according to what Jesus said there, I'm just talking about what Jesus says, weird as we might think it is. He said, I'm to believe that I have received it. Well, I did that with Amazon and the putter in my illustration. When I clicked buy, I believe I had received I had the confirmation email. I don't have it. I don't see it. I don't even know where it's at in the world. I don't know if it's coming from California or Indianapolis. I don't know where it's coming from, where it's at. But I believe I have received the moment I click buy. And so as we pray, click and buy, as we pray, we're to believe that we have received. And so I try to change my vocabulary just to line up with Jesus. Not that, well, someday I think God's really going to come through for us here, honey. No, I believe he already has. I, I believe we have received. Yeah, but we prayed about this six months ago. I've been confessing and believing and haven't seen it yet. Well, but I believe we have received. Well, I don't know. Somebody may say, I've been believing something for 15 years. Okay, keep believing. Amen. Keep on keeping on. Amen. There's a story in the Old Testament I didn't think about to right now. It came across my mind. But Daniel's praying. He prays a prayer. And the Bible says, basically, the satanic oppression came to stop that prayer. And when the angel came through, he said, I had to fight through the had to call Michael and fight through the prince of Persia. And the prince of Persia wasn't a, a human person. It was a, a demonic force over the region. And he said, the moment you prayed, your prayer was answered. 
I was in response to your prayer the moment you prayed. I forget now. I think it was like 14 days. Anybody remember that? Or 21 days? That's why I said 21 days uh, till, till the Lord showed Gabriel showed up and said, hey, I had to get a hold of Michael. He had to come help me get through this thing. And uh, your prayer was answered right when you prayed it, but there was a delay in receiving it. So keep believing. I mean, you always have a question like, what if I die believing? Then praise God, you died believing. I, wouldn't you rather die in belief? I'd rather die in faith and belief than doubt and unbelief, so just keep believing. Keep believing. You can say the mountain. It says twice here, say, if you read it in the King James, actually, it uses the word say three times between verses 23 and 24. Say. Paul, who wrote more books of the New Testament than anybody else, the Christian scriptures, writes in 2 Corinthians 4.13. He's referring back to David, the psalmist, from 1.16. You can find that in a good study Bible. The psalmist David said at one point, he said, I believed and therefore I spoke. And Paul says this, he said, we have the same spirit of faith. You and I have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. Just as it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and speak. We also. We believe and therefore we speak. Words are the way that you release faith into the world around you. Again, I want to say this, that's really not that weird, even in the natural realm. But if you do think it's weird and you're still struggling with that, it really doesn't matter. We're to be disciples of Jesus and follow his pattern. Jesus is a speaker. He speaks. I want to remind you of some things from the word. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 doesn't say in God thought, or he journaled, or he pondered, or he meditated. And God said, and God said, and things happened. God said, God said. Now, we're talking about all the positive things because as believers, we believe promises of God are yes and amen, and we want to go forward with our life and faith. But on the negative side, people speak and get all kinds of bad stuff uh, because faith cometh by hearing. Remember that? And hearing by the word of God for believers, but faith cometh by hearing also in the negative way as well. Some of you, and maybe me too, we have things that we are working through because of stuff that was spoken over us that we started to believe that wasn't even true. And so unravel that and start speaking the word of God over yourself. Isaiah 55, 10 through 13, that's a good one for you to look up. God says this basically. He says, here's the deal. He said, you know how rain and snow works. God says, rain and snow comes down from heaven and it waters the earth. It does not return, you all studied this in, in school, how rain comes down, does its job, goes back up, and it's cycling all the time. He said, just as the rain and snow comes down from heaven and does return until it first, first, does its job, it waters the earth. So it causes the earth to, to flourish, it causes there to be seed and plants and all that, so there will be seed for the sower and there will be bread for the eater. It's a very positive thing, what water and rain and snow does, and doesn't come back until it accomplishes what I sent it to do. And God said, that's just like my word. It does not come back to me until it has first accomplished what I sent it to do. It doesn't come back to me empty. It doesn't come back to me void. It doesn't come back to me unacceptable or unsuccessful. It comes back to me accomplished. It does what I send it to do. 
James says in James 3, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. Now, I like to explain perfection because in our mind when we hear perfection, we mean without a single flaw. So everyone who's here say, well, I guess I'll never be that because nobody's perfect. I mean, we've all said this forever. Nobody's perfect. Jesus was the only one who was perfect. But the word perfect there means mature or complete or grown up. There are some things, probably in your life and my life, that we are immature in. We haven't grown up in those areas. We need to grow up in those areas. We need to mature and be complete and grow up in those areas. Okay? And so God's really saying, when there's a particular area, understanding spiritually that you're good in and you're solid in, that's because you've matured in that area. You have grown up in that area. And the Bible might use the word perfect, but it means mature, complete, or fully grown. So James is saying, we need to grow. We need to grow. We need to mature. We need to understand spiritual truths. We need to understand spiritual principles. And we do that by learning, by retaining what we've learned, and then applying it and practicing it, putting it into action. So we're failing forward, as we mentioned earlier, and we keep moving forward one step at a time, one effort at a time. So we need to go to work and and grow. And that's why I encourage you, be a part of the the Sunday school class. And soon here in a week or two, we'll talk about different things of discipleship. And and Gary's worked on a, a letter to help us figure out how to help you all grow in the things of God, and you're here now doing that as well, so it wasn't meant to be a rebuke or a condemnation. I'm celebrating that you're here. But we need to grow. There was a, there was a guy, and you, you might have heard about him. In fact, look around on the seats. Do you see the little red paper clips laying around? That is a, and I know, I get it, way too extravagant, but that's a gift from the church to you, okay? I know we shouldn't have. It was just too much, wasn't it? So you got the, the little red paper clip. I want you to hold that. You get to keep that. That's yours to keep. You can hold some paper together with it or put it in your pocket for a reminder. But there, there's this, this guy that was working. He wasn't all that happy with where his career was gone, his money was gone, his life was gone. True story. It happened about 2006. Probably want to get in the story. Many of you here go, oh, yeah, I heard about that guy. Well, one day, he's, he's looking. You know, everybody's got one but me, so I'll get one of those. Thank you, honey. See how being nice pays off? So he looked at this little red paper clip, and he came up with this idea. He said one of his dreams was to own a home, but he didn't like the idea of interest and down payments and fees and mortgages. And he looked at that paper clip and he said, I'm going to see if I can trade this paper clip for one thing at a time, trade up, until my last trade is for a home debt-free. Now, I want you to think about this. What do you think his friends and family told him when he told them about his ingenious idea of owning a debt-free home from a paper clip? Most of them probably said, come on, you know, that's ridiculous. Go get you a second job or something, but you're not going to get a home for a paperclip. But let me tell you what Kyle McDonald had. He had something called faith. He believed that something he hoped for was possible. Something he hadn't yet seen could happen. And so he took that little red paperclip, 
and he began to trade. I think the first thing is he got a, got a pen that looked like a fish, I think it said. And I thought, okay, well, that's progress, I guess, over a paperclip. And he kept moving and kept moving and kept moving and kept moving up. And a year a little over, 14 trades later, he had a home. Debt-free, paid for. Let's take a look at, at Kyle and his home. It's a solid little home, man. It's kind of cool. He took a red paper clip and kept trading his way up till he got a home. I, I think I'll need to re, read and do some more today, but I think he traded the home, and the home now is called the Red Paper Clip Cafe. And it looked like a cool little shop I looked around there. You say, why do you tell him this story? Because I thought it was cool. I just thought I would have, take 10 minutes to tell the story. Now, be, because your faith may be like this little red paper clip. You say, that's all this. This paper clip is, is worth less than two and a half cents. I don't know what that home appraises for, but I know it's a whole lot more than two and a half cents. And so we start small, and we start working. We start working. We start working. Say, well, that's a secular illustration, not a spiritual one. Okay, you spiritual giants, let me give you a spiritual one, but I love your heart. Jesus said, your faith is like a mustard seed. It's just a little thing. The mustard seed faith, he said, was super powerful. But he said, the mustard seed's unique seed. Because although it's the smallest, one of the smallest seeds, when it's planted and taken care of, it actually develops into a, a shrub, a, a bush, that is large enough that the birds of the air come and build their homes and nests in it. So it's, it's not like a, a tomato plant. It becomes one of the largest of all the garden herbs. Your faith may be a little red paper clip right now. It may be a mustard seed. But if we keep learning and we keep practicing, we keep retaining, putting into practice this, and, and our thing today, by the way, speak it. I, I mean this with all the tenderness and compassion and kindness that I can say this. If you say, I think that's dumb and I don't want to do it, I may think it in my head if I want to, Tracy, but I'm not going to speak it out loud, then don't expect to get much forward momentum in your faith life. You say, well, that's mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, we followed Jesus around, and we saw how Jesus did things. He spoke. He spoke. He said. We saw how God did things. He spoke. He said. It's all throughout the Word. So I can say I feel silly. I don't know. I don't know about you. I would feel silly talking to a tree, but Jesus did, so do it. Speak. Use that. That is a power move in the kingdom of God. Now, one thing I mentioned on occasion, I want to remind you of. Jesus tells a story about the shrewd manager who isn't real honest and makes some, you know, unethical moves. And his boss, who just fired him, said, I had to admire the shrewd manager because he made some slick moves. Now, he didn't say he approved of it, but he said, I had to go, okay, that was pretty shrewd. And then Jesus says this, the people of this world are more wise, and this is my paraphrase, in operating in their system than the people of light are at operating in their system. See, we have a kingdom, and Jesus shows us how that kingdom works. And the world has a kingdom, and it works a certain way. In the world's kingdom, they'll say, if you want to get to the top, you do whatever you got to do, step on whoever you have to step on, you get to the top. Jesus says, you want to get to the top, then you become servant of all. And you go, wow, those, those kingdoms operate differently. Yes, they do. 
One thing you'll notice about the world's kingdom is they want to succeed, so they'll start realizing there's principles out there that work, and bullying people don't seem to be working real well, but having servant leadership does. The world will teach servant leadership. They may not know where they got it. We know where they got it from Jesus and the Word of God, and it works. And so speech, talking, speaking works. So here's our faith pattern of practice for the week. Learn God's truth. Get involved in some type of discipleship. The Sunday morning class, I know you're here right now. This is a form of discipleship, and, and we'll have more opportunities as next year opens up, which is not very far away at all. So learn God's truth. Get it in you. So the next thing we do is we believe his truth. We believe it in our heart. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but my head and heart have had battles at times. I got to assume that that Kyle McDonald's heart and head had battles at times. As he's moving up those trades, he, I know I can do this. His head probably said, this is the stupidest thing in the world. Shut up, head. My heart knows this is going to work. This is going to work. So we believe God's truth in our heart. Then we confess his truth with our mouth. And then we hold tight to our words of faith until we receive. The scripture says when you've done all to stand, Stand firm then. Basically, the list gets done. He said, if you've done all this and you've done everything you know to stand and it don't seem like it's working, just keep standing. There's God's word. Just keep standing. Just keep standing and keep believing. Now, next week, we're going to talk about hindrances to faith. There are things that want to hinder our faith and we can overcome them because the word of God tells us exactly how to do it. So we don't have to be like, I don't know what's going on here. The word of God tells us what to do. And we can set aside these hindrances and move forward in our faith and we can grow. Do I expect we'll have it all perfect by next week? No, but we can start growing and we can keep practicing and we can keep moving forward. So I want us to pray together. Holy Spirit, sink that word in our hearts. Lord, we trust you. We need your help. Our minds are prone to wonder. You tell us to bring them captive. It's easy for us to listen to the world or the enemy or our own failures, but we say, no, we need your help to listen to your word, O oh God, and speak it and hold tight to it and fast to it until we see it in the natural realm. May that be true for every area of our life. So help us, Holy Spirit.